Luke chapter 1, blessed my heart. I want you to notice again this morning an astonishing account of the angel Gabriel suddenly appearing to a very faithful priest named Zacharias. Let's begin reading in verse 11. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Pastor, how do you know that this angel is actually Gabriel? Verse 18 says, And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, stand in the presence of God. And of course, not only, hear this, not only do we know that it was the angel Gabriel here, but also when an angel of the Lord appears to Mary. Look down at verse 26. And in the sixth month of the, this month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man, the angel Gabriel. So, to Zacharias the priest, also to Mary, also to Joseph. Matthew one twenty says, While Joseph thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him. And then, beloved, you have the remarkable occasion in Daniel. Centuries before our text, when Gabriel appeared, the Bible says, on a man, as a man, you'll notice on the screen, Daniel chapter 9, verse 21. Yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation or the evening sacrifice. So, Daniel, Zacharias, Joseph, Mary. And then it was to the sorrowing women at the tomb that an angel appeared, and then to the shepherds. And then the angel appears in John's vision in the Isle of Patmos, as we've studied on Wednesday nights. Gabriel, the archangel in particular, has quite a job. He is the press secretary of glory, bringing messages down from heaven. In fact, think about this for a moment. To Daniel, Gabriel said, he's coming. It was all prophecy. To Zacharias, Gabriel says here, he's near. To Mary, he's Savior. To Joseph, he's God. To the shepherds, he's here. To the women at the tomb, he's alive. To the disciples at the ascension, he's coming back. To John in Revelation, he's back. Gabriel or an angel of the Lord is always bringing tidings from God. However, However, there's something remarkable. There is something unmistakable and powerful and notable about all eight of these incredible moments. In fact, let me ask you a simple question. What would you say is the antonym or the opposite of the devil? In other words, over here is the devil. And the opposite of the devil is what? It's not God. It is not Jesus, because the devil is not a fallen deity or a fallen trinity. 
That would be elevating Lucifer to say that he's the opposite of Christ. No, the opposite of the devil, the fallen angel, is Gabriel. Or possibly Michael. Which got me to thinking. The old expression is the devil's advocate. When somebody plays the devil's advocate, they're actually referring to the Catholic canon attorney. Advocatus Diabli was the official title given to the man who argued against any candidate who's either being beatified or canonized as a saint. His job, you see, was to show the bad, the cynical, the false, to come before them and show all the negative reasons for rejecting this person and why no one should rejoice in the process. Which brings us back to these eight occasions. Because they all have in common, you'll notice, one thing. And the one thing they all have in common, other than the angel, are the circumstances. Daniel was in exile while his homeland was in ruins, and Gabriel shows up. Zacharias was childless at a time of national apostasy and corruption in his own priesthood, and Gabriel shows up. Joseph was perplexed and heartbroken that his fiancée was expecting a child, and the angel of the Lord shows up. Mary was falsely accused and born and raised in a pagan empire. Those women were weeping by the tomb when the angel of the Lord came. The disciples were brokenhearted as Jesus ascended out of their sight. The apostle John was imprisoned as an exile on a rock when he showed the end of all things. So that truly, beloved, in every single instance, when Gabriel shows up, life was hard for the people of God. Life was unfair, pointless, impossible, and futile, or so it seemed, until Gabriel appears with the news and the truth that has always been the truth from glory, which is why I want to speak this morning on the subject, the angel's advocate. The devil's advocate, that's our media. Might well be your neighbor or your boss, but let's take a few moments and be the angel's advocate. Father, please speak to our hearts. We thank you for your word. And we need to hear from you today. Please help us during these days and these times to recognize that there is a spiritual warfare. And there is a spiritual and eternal victory in Jesus' name. Amen. There are three things that I want us to consider this morning as we look at all of the angels' announcements over all of the centuries of human history. And I want us to look at them in the context of our place right now at this moment in history, October the 2nd, 2022, the state of Florida, the United States of America. What would an angel's advocate say about our own current situation? Well, the first thing you'll notice in every age is a reminder, number one, of faithful people. Faithful people. Look at chapter 1, verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, king of Judea. By the way, I want you to notice that Luke, who was a physician and a historian, puts into immediate context what he's about to tell us next. You realize that one phrase, in the days, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, speaks volumes about living at that time and at that place as a child of God. Especially so as a believer. King Herod 
was as corrupt and evil as any leader who's ever lived. His entire family was even more corrupt than he was, and they ruled that region with him. In addition to being a religious fraud, he was a sellout to the Roman Empire. All he cared about was his power, money, pleasure. He purposely managed the decline of his own nation, calling himself, quote, Herod the Great. He massacred infant boys two years age and younger just because he felt his power was threatened. He paid off the Sanhedrin that corrupted the priesthood even more than it even was, so that again, Luke is telling us that what happens next is set in a dark and discouraging time for all of the people of God, just as it was, as we noted, for Daniel. Way back in Babylon, in exile, and in Nebuchadnezzar. So what is mentioned next? Verse 5 again, There was in the days of Herod, king of Judea, a certain priest named Zecharias of the course of Abia. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Wow, you know what I bet? I bet these people have thrown in the towel. As a matter of fact, in light of verse 7, they're probably bitter and cynical and angry. Verse 7 says, They had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. In other words, folks, their entire life is characterized by that word barren. Elizabeth herself uses the word reproach in verse 25. My reproach unto all men. And here they are. Lived their whole lives like that and now they're old. And yeah, they've probably long given up and joined the crowd. You know, that whole priesthood is corrupt. Except for verse 6. And they were both righteous before God. Walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Pastor, this is the absolute worst I've ever seen it. America's dark. People are waxing worse and worse. Actually, that's not what that scripture says. That scripture says evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Meanwhile, others are growing more faithful and more righteous. So that you can focus on the evil men and seducers, or as David said in Psalm 101 and verse 6, mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land. And sure enough, beloved, as dark and deceitful and as discouraging as the days of Herod truly were, let's play angel's advocate. There were also amazing, faithful servants of God. And not just Zacharias and Elizabeth. Another young couple way up in the north part of Galilee that's even more dark in a spiritual sense, Joseph and Mary, faithful to God. Not to mention Simeon. Chapter 2, look at the page. Just turn, would you? Verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. Wow. Oh yeah, and also, there's Anna. Verse 36, and there was one Anna, a prophetess. Verse 37, and she was a widow of about four score and four years. That's a long time to be alone. Which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night 
and day. In other words, beloved, you get the point, I think, I hope. No matter how reprobate, apostate, or dark, or discouraging all of the circumstances, God always has his people. When Gabriel appeared way back in Babylon, you may have noticed he calls Daniel, who's just a teenager, by name. Daniel, he says. Oh, Daniel, he says. In Revelation, the angel called John by his name. In chapter 1 and verse 30, you notice it says, Gabriel says, fear not Mary. Verse 13, fear not Zacharias. Heaven knows your name. Does heaven know your name? Of course heaven knows your name. You're in the family. Mikasa estu casa, his house is our house. So when the angel shows up to Daniel in far, far away Babylon, or to Zacharias in Simeon in the very dark days of Herod and Caesar Augustus, he doesn't obsess over Herod. The angel doesn't focus on Nebuchadnezzar or Augustus or Biden or King Charles or Putin. He speaks to an unknown, lowly, faithful person in that land. And he says things like verse 28, The Lord is with thee. Thou hast found favor with God. Let it be a reminder to us this morning, beloved, that God always has his 7,000 who have not bowed their knees before Baal. But pastor, people are mean and nasty today. Meaner than I've ever seen them. I don't know, I remember a bumper sticker when I was a kid that said, keep honking, I'm reloading. (laughs) And that was on Mrs. Wooster's car. I mean, you know. (laughs) You see, folks, you can always make the case that the world is mean and dark and fearful and hostile. But if you look throughout all of history, you will see there is also love and there is faith and there is hope and there is truth always with the people of the living God. Do you know that God always, always has a remnant? Pastor, young people are so messed up today. Not all of them. Not all of them. The faithful people, that's number one. The second thing I want you to notice, number two, is the Father's provision. Verse 13, the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Now, wait a minute. God heard his prayer? Do you realize, the Bible says he's well stricken, and you know what his prayer is, give us a baby. Do you know how long ago, in his long and aged life, he prayed for a child? Do you know how old this prayer request actually was? It is so old that their bodies have passed the expiration date for its being fulfilled. It's like praying for an undefeated season for the Seminoles. Too late. (laughs) Except, of course, way back then, even when it seems Zechariah and Elizabeth Would he be born in oppression, live a long and barren life, and then die in that same oppression? And that's all that they had. Even then, God was actually blessing them. God had long ago heard that prayer, and he hadn't forgotten. And once again, you can always look around, and sure, of course, you can point to all the things in life you don't have. 
I can do that. I can, and we can all point the supposed provisions that we've lacked, that we've missed out on, that we never received. You can easily focus on prayers. You felt God never answered. And in the midst of that, take a moment to look at our neighbors again on the West Coast. Look at their despair as they stumble in darkness, even tonight without electricity or a warm meal, or air conditioning, or a secure bed, or a roof, or in hundreds and hundreds of cases, a loved one by their side. And then you look at the meal that you're going to sit down to in less than an hour in climate-controlled comfort. Look at the simplest provisions of ice, and gas, and water, and internet, and phone service, and groceries, and clear roads, and walk-in clinics, and clean clothes. Rob said that one of the men he saw, and he helped rescue a couple off Pine Island, and one of the men he saw, was his house was gone, he's in his truck, he's in total despair. He walks up, he's about to come back home, and he says, sir, can I help? He says, all I need is some ice, do you have any ice? And he had a, one Yeti filled with ice, and the man began to weep, and he hugged him as an angel. We know Rob's not an angel, amen, but you know what? <laughs> Fallen angel. Look at the blessing that we have right now. Just being here and health and comfort and somehow say that you are not blessed in this horrible, awful day. How his kindness yet pursues me, mortal tongue can never tell. Clothed in flesh till death shall lose me. I cannot proclaim it well. I can't. We can't say it enough. God is good and all the time. God is good. In the dark days of Herod, king of Judea, there was still the faithful people, the Father's provision. Number three, there was also in that dark time the future prospects. Verse 13 again, don't miss this. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall. This is a promise shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt, it's a promise, call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. Verse 16, and many of the children of Israel shall he, John the Baptist, turn to the Lord their God. Wow, what a blessed promise of God. And here's what Gabriel told Mary. Chapter 1, verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Wow, talk about glory and talk about a glorious prospect. And, of course, that is exactly what Gabriel told Daniel. Way back then, and he appeared to Daniel in Babylon, in exile, and he said that in 490 years, you're going to see fulfilled prophecies. And on that last week, he says God will finish the transgression and make an end to sin. And then to John, 
to John, all those future prospects of a new heaven and a new earth. And to Joseph, the angel said, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save their people from their sins. Over and again, the message of the angel included future prospects. And you know why? Always. Here's what's coming. Here's what's coming. And here's why. For any child of God living in any period of human history, the message is true. You ain't seen nothing yet. And the message is true that the best is yet to come. For every child of God who has ever lived on this earth, the truth of God and the message of the angels is immutable and certain. It is glorious and it is this. Something good is always around the corner. It may be the next corner or the next one or the next bend in that road. But on the last bend of the road is nothing but good. The gospel itself is the very definition of the word hope. Hope that is not ashamed, that is real hope. And it is the message of Gabriel in all of heaven that you can live in the absolute worst place, in the absolute worst times, and under the worst of circumstances, and still know that the Son of Righteousness will arise with healing in His wings. That weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. One of the great words of Scripture is the word through. God said in Isaiah, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. He said through the rivers, not to the river, through the rivers. Through the fire. David said that it is through the valley of the shadow of death, not to it. Folks, we are not going to the grave. We're going through the grave. I remember the day that Chris and I went over the funeral home and I had to meet this lady and and choose a plot out for Louise and the lady showed me the so-called cheaper ones and she said you don't want those the problem with those reverend is that the train goes by and it's really loud it's not peaceful (laughs) and I looked at her and kindly I said ma'am she's not going to hear any trains she's already hearing music some glorious morning sorrows will cease Some glorious morning, all will be peace. Heartaches all ended. School days all done. Heaven will open and Jesus will come. The future prospect, it's all good. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the Father's provision now. The faithful people now. This is one little tiny church of thousands and thousands and thousands that God is blessing all over the world. And all of these are now here to tell us and here for you to tell the angels as the angels advocate that today is a good day in the kingdom of God. You know, the the name Zecharias means the Lord remembers. His wife's name, Elizabeth, means God's promise. Together, their life testified the Lord remembers his promise. Yes, he did. And yes, he will. You know, the Bible in this text tells us that the lot fell on Zacharias. It was a custom in the priesthood that only one priest got to go one time a year. And with over 20,000 priests in that area, it was very unlikely that you would get chosen in your lifetime. But you could. Can you imagine? Well stricken in years, 
corruption in the priesthood, Herod the Great, Caesar Augustus making on a whim people move from place to place. The world was dark. They were enslaved. All of those years, the lot falls on some corrupt priest, and he gets to go into the Holy of Holies. Year after year after year after year. And all of those years, people reproaching his wife because they taught and they believed that if you were barren and could not bear children, it was the curse of God. It was a lie. But she lived under that curse. All of those years, there they are. And yet it says, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. You know what that's called? Faithfulness. You know what God calls us to do? Be faithful. You know how you can be faithful? Be the angel's advocate. Don't be the devil's advocate. Don't listen to the devil's advocate. Recognize that God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Our heads are bowed, please, and our eyes are closed for just a moment. You know, I don't know what your need is this morning, truly, but I know that all of us have this need. All of us need to keep our eyes in heaven in glory. All of us need to recognize that we have no excuse. Oh, the peer pressure, Pastor Blaylock, the peer pressure at my school and in my, in my club and with my friends, the peer pressure is so strong. That's why the peer pressure was stronger for Daniel. And he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. God knew Daniel's name in heaven. He was a teenager, but he was still faithful. He still, even there, even then, had reason to rejoice, to be faithful, and to trust God. Pastor, it's, it's tough today. It's really hard to be, you know, just faithful to church, to God, to the Word of God. I mean, it's the politics of our society right now. Really? You think it's worse than Herod the King of the Great? Herod the Great, the king, and he's killing little infants because he doesn't want to lose power? And one of his own takes off John the Baptist's head and they celebrate that? And yet there you have Anna, Simeon, Joseph, Mary, Elizabeth, Zacharias. Later we'll learn about John and Simon Peter and Matthew and faithful people. That's what God is calling us to be. Grateful for his provision. Believing in the prospects. And we too can be an angel's advocate. You know, we just read these little scriptures here that were part of a three, four, five, seven hundred year prophecy. Fulfillment. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, which means Savior, and he shall save, save his people from their sins. We're all sinners. Jesus came to save sinners. He didn't come to make you better at your business or just a better neighbor. He came to save you from your sins because you're a sinner. And he died on the cross for your sins. The angels appeared. The angel appeared to the women and said, He's not here. He is risen. He's alive. When he ascended, the angel said, why stand you here gazing? This same Jesus that you've seen go up is going to come back. And he is. So if you're here today and you're not saved, you need to be ready for that. 
and you need your sins forgiven. But you know, as a child of God, you're an overcomer. You walk out those doors this morning knowing that you are an overcomer. And when you open your mouth, don't be a devil's advocate. Open your mouth and speak the glory. The, the word gospel means good news. And for the child of God, it's all good. Father, bless the invitation. We thank you for your word. Lord, how we thank you for the examples that you've given us of people like Zacharias and Elizabeth and Simeon and Anna and Joseph and Mary and all of these, Lord, who in the darkest of times, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, in those days, they were faithful. In these days, help us to be faithful because you've shown us we have every reason to be faithful and grateful. For these who've asked for prayer, use this time, Lord, in this altar in their own hearts and lives as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.